It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother! Welcome, everyone, to the final WCW edition at least of 1998, of Reliving the War, the, the podcast where we go through the Monday Night Wars and relive them, as it says on the tin. My name is Nims Azor, joined as always by my tag team partner, Simon Tackler. Simon, we've been ripping through 1998 WCW, and I think it was last episode where we came up with the consensus that anything that is branded WCW NWO has got questionable quality. Oh, it's all been questionable quality. It's all been downhill since then. Uh, And I think you had a little slip there, but I think it's what you really, really wanted it to be. I wish this was the final WCW episode. (laughs) What a way to go out for the granddaddy of the ball for 1998. We'll get into this, but wow. Starcade, I will give this. It is basically WCW's WrestleMania, and it's their last pay per view for the year. We've sat through Starcade '96 and thought, "Hey, look, that's it is what it is." We sat through Starcade '97 and thought, "Well, I guess that was a thing." And now we thought, "Let's see if Starcade '1998, which is a pretty hyped Starcade." can live up to said hype and uh we thought we'd bring in our third man as we always do well we used to at least for uh, wcw pay-per-views before i guess wcw got in the way uh what the one and only digital beard himself owen jones joins us Owen, welcome back to the pod hello my friends thank you for having me back and look i'd say thank you for um you know having me on the show and bringing me back again which is great and thanks for having watched some wrestling but and I'd say thank you because, you know, the first two matches of this show were um were quite incredible. And then it became a WCW show again. So not thank you for bringing me on, but it's good to see your beautiful faces as always. Hey, look, let's get straight into it uh, because that that this is a pay-per-view that we're going to need to do a bit of a deep dive on. It is Starcade 1998. It starts off with a Goldberg intro that is a Goldberg intro. It just looks like someone fed a whole bunch of footage into like some form of some AI thing and said, oh, just make a <laughs> make a promo about this. And then we are led to the intro for Starcade. It is the granddaddy of them all. That is what Tony Schiavone refers to it as. Mm-hmm. And Goldberg is putting his 173 wins, bit a little asterisk near it, up against Kevin Nash in the main event. And I don't know about you, Simon, but I actually thought it was pretty cool that they referenced that Kevin Nash was a former WWF champion. They don't mention the WWF, which is one of the few times they don't but they acknowledge that he has been a world champion before. Yeah, which I thought was good. Makes the match feel even bigger. Uh, you got to do something to make the match feel big because that 30-second Goldberg video sure didn't do it. Um, <laughs> this is Starcade. Let's put it into perspective. Compare it to WrestleMania. Now, when you think of a WrestleMania intro video or even Wrestle Kingdom for New Japan, 
it's a long video. It's epic. There's, you know, voiceovers. You go through every match. You kind of make it feel big. This was literally 30 seconds. No voiceover, no no sound bites. Literally just, here's a bit of Goldberg in sepia tone or whatever. Um, yeah. And also, I just want to say, if anyone noticed it, we, we all love a good Jimmy Hart knockoff theme song. Did anyone else think this theme song was a knockoff cult of personality? Because <laughs> every time they played it, it was it was very living colorish. And as always, it was with WCW. It was ten years too late. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, my note I have for the uh, for the intro video is Goldberg the musical because <laughs> it's pretty much what it was. It's like here's some. It's, it was like um the intro to Dave Mirror Pro BMX, where it was just like <laughs> zooming in on his body parts. I'm like, I've seen this before. Um, and also, in high I resolution did I, too. <laughs> exactly, it was it was very much an acclaim game, wasn't it? <laughs> um, I did pop for the fact that when um when Tony Giovanni introduced us to where we were in the world, he goes, "Welcome to Washington D.C., where the fate of the free world is decided on a daily basis." Wow! Just so you know where we are, and you know, America. Mm. Um, now one thing that we've sort of noticed too with all of these WCW papers, they always started off with the three-man booth. And I don't know about you, but for a pay-per-view that is so hype, like this, going back to 1998, this was seriously seen as one of the biggest matches in 1998. It can, if WWF at the moment, they're currently uh, being led by The Rock as their world champion, this was WCW's chance to sort of make a real statement. And I don't know about you, Simon, but do you remember, like, this was, the, this was one of those pay-per-views where everyone was... Um, scraggling to try and find a VHS copy, or no, at least for for my friendship group, everyone was trying to hunt this down. It look, it was a really big deal. Uh, I think we spoke about it maybe off air because the date this happened was December twenty seven. So in Australia, uh, you know that'd be December twenty eight. So very close to New Year's Eve. I remember going to a New Year's Eve party where you know the other kids there were like pro WCW, and by this point, I was just firmly WWE. Still watch mm. WCW, but I'm like, no, nah, this show, even as, you know, an 11-year-old, I knew the wheels were coming off. Anyway, yeah. when I found out the results that night, when they were, you know, they didn't look excited and it was like, oh, what happened at Starcade? And they were like, oh, Kevin Nash beat Goldberg. I burst out laughing. I thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing ever. And I was, you know, because Diesel is still Diesel. Like, you know, loved yeah. him even back then. I thought that was so funny. It was like, ah, oh, Nash v. Goldberg, you know, Goldberg sucks. So And it was yeah. and it was also one of those things too, because like I was also very much in the pro WWF camp at that time, but I was a massive fan of like, you know, the click. So I was just like, yeah. Yep, that's what <laughs> yeah, I like exactly. to see. Um, but let's actually get to we'll start off with the show. Before we actually get to the first match, did you notice the plug? Uh, that Bret Hart, Scott Steiner, Chris Jericho were doing to uh, plug a little crossover they did with the QVC channel. I thought yeah, this I, was amazing. Go for it, Owen. And yeah, I was gonna, all I was going to say, just a reminder to quote Bret Hart, this ain't no jewelry show. <laughs> Whatever the hell that means. <laughs> this isn't ballet <laughs> and this isn't a jewelry store. I don't know what it means. But for anyone who doesn't know, QVC... <laughs> is the American um, TV like shopping, shopping kind of thing. So yeah. again, Starcade, granddaddy of them all, the equivalent of WrestleMania and Wrestle Kingdom. The first thing they do is roll an ad for the home shopping event that they're going to have on Wednesday. It's not even televised. It's just an event where you can go and buy memorabilia. 
Insane. So it's like so it's like if MCW did a crossover with TSN. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Very much so. Except, except <laughs> like, and and but this is the thing. So you can actually go onto YouTube and watch. Someone has uploaded oh, wow. the oh. uh, the QVC <laughs> episode of W of um of WCW on there. And sure, that's a Christmas present to our listeners. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you right now, it's a Star Wars Christmas present to it because if you know anything about Star Wars and know about these Star Wars holiday specials, you'll know <laughs> that this is something that George Lucas is even trying to bury. It is, everyone just looks so bored. Uh, Scott Steiner is low key. It's one of the strangest crossovers you will ever see, but hey, it is Can what it is. Can we please do a watch along? It's only do it like we might. <laughs> <laughs> now I've, I've got the link here on youtube did you know there's a whole series of them oh yeah it's yeah. it's crazy it is absolutely crazy and then there is there's i think there's another reddit thread where people go through it and dissect it and <laughs> one of those today i learned that um but yeah it's it's a strange one speaking of time shopping this is a nice little segue because we get our first mean gene plug for the evening let's not let's also remember here it's been about 10 minutes well it feels like it's been about 10 <laughs> minutes we've had no wrestling none so Absolutely I picked it. I picked out a sign in the crowd. It was about two hours in, but I'm going to bring it forward to the start of the show because it literally the sign literally reads, um, oh, where is it? Oh, it's it's it, it literally says, "Shut up and start wrestling." Mm-hmm. Like, please, it's all yeah. I want. And like this kid telling up this sign like two hours in, I'm like, at least he gets it. It's it's insane that like this is your biggest show, like you said. I know that Simon's been hammering this point for a while, but this is their WrestleMania. It is their biggest show ever. In fact, it precedes WrestleMania. Like, Starcade and Jim Crockett got the jump on the WWF back then. But yeah, Mean Gene uh, gives a little plug for the hotline. He gives us, lets us know the stipulation that in the Eric Bischoff versus Ric Flair match, the horsemen are barred, the NWO aren't, but Ric Flair has agreed to all the ridiculous terms that, um, that Eric Bischoff has said. And Mongo has been taken away by the cops. Yes, Mongo. He even says that for some reason. He's like, all the horsemen and Mongo. Um, <laughs> he also mentions there are old names backstage, but he can't say who unless you call. I couldn't even piece together who who it even would have been. I couldn't. Yeah, I, I, I'm just trying to think of myself. Unless he means Hogan's back there. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe. <laughs> um, so we get off. We'll start off with our first match. It is a triangle match. Between Juventud Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, and Kidman. Now, my first gripe with this is it's constantly referred to as a triangle match. Now, for those playing at home, it is not a triangle match because a triangle match involves three competitors, but one one gets pinned and then it goes to a one-on-one match. This is just a triple threat. Why do they keep <laughs> saying it's a triangle match? Or is it a three-way dance? Well, a three-way dance, at least, is not a, like a triangle match. And this is the real WWF attitude um, on PS1 <laughs> guy coming at me now. But like, it, I just, it just really annoyed me that I couldn't even get the terminology of the match right. But um, yeah, so it's probably the three hottest stars of the Cruiserweight division at the moment. Hubertid Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, and Kidman. I reckon that this is probably the most white hot we've seen the Cruiserweight division. Wouldn't you agree, Simon? Absolutely. This is where it really comes together because instead of just getting, you know, random combinations of Super Calo and Volano 8 or whatever, and all these random guys coming in and out, they've settled on who really got over. And no offense to those guys who were just outside that group like La Parker and Psychosis. But once you really get into it, 
It's Hoovy, Ray, Kidman, Eddie. And mm. of course, it used to be Dean Malenko, but he's out of the division now. But Hoovy, Ray, and Kidman, they've all been killing it in 98. So to get them all in one match to end the year, mm. fantastic. What do you think of this one, Owen? Because this is this is when people talk about how good the WCW Cruiserweight division is, this is the match that you show them. Yeah, like I, 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 there's very little notes on this match because I was just popping. Um, I've pretty much just, I've, I've written twice. This is perfect cruiserweight wrestling, because it's true. Like, and then I also wrote (laughs) every indie wrestler, every current indie wrestler has this match to thank for their career, which is also true, (laughs) because the crazy cutoffs and like the crazy and like the insane, like you know when um when uh. Kidman had Ray on his shoulders and Hoovy did the um the Frankensteiner off that. Like you see that all the time these days. And like, but this was like 998. Like you never seen that stuff before. Mm. Um it was, yeah, this match was so awesome. I was just I was, I was actually I was I was like genuinely popping for it, like I'm watching it live. Um and then yeah, all I, I think all I all else I have to say is the fact that Ponytail Eddie Guerrero is a stud. Mm. Uh, I, I want to point out the line that Mike Tanay went and mentioned where he said, there's been 25 near falls. Have there? Has there been, Mike? He, he said so. that and then he didn't commit to it. He's like, oh, there's been 25. And then he's like, well, I haven't been counting, but there's definitely been over two dozen. Well, that's almost <laughs> that's, 25, that's, Mike. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's such a smart-ass thing to say as well. <laughs> and he said it to himself. It was weird. But anyway, like you guys said, great match. So smooth, it's ahead of its time. It's sort of that perfect balance of moves, but also still telling a story. You know, Hoovy's the clear-cut bad guy because he's part of the LWO. We know Ray left last month. Kidman is sort of the the solo guy in the cruiserweight division at the moment. He doesn't really have fighting champion as well. Fighting Mm -hmm. champion, the young, good-looking uh, you know, Kidman with his Cool, the pretty boy. Hair. Yeah, the pretty boy. They keep going on to that. <laughs> anyway, great match, great spots. Hard to explain it all, but it's definitely worth watching. I did love the ending. So, Owen, you mentioned Eddie Guerrero in his leather jacket and ponytail. He oh, such out. a stud. He looked cool as, so he's the leader of the LWOs trying to pull a shifty here and make sure Hoovy wins. So the ending is kind of a, a like a sunset flip situation for the pin. So and, cool. Yeah, Hoovy is in control and Eddie's like, okay, you know, like count, ref, count. But then yeah. Ray kicks Hoovy, which forces the role. momentum to, to shift. Yeah, for Kidman to then be in, on top and get the win and Eddie loses it and the crowd goes nuts. Great ending and a great match. You know, yeah, I've pop- never seen that done before and I've never seen it done since. Mm. The old well, it- swinging the, the, the pinfall. Well, just like oh, that whole that sequence, that sequence, yeah, like they the, did it perfectly. Like the short drop kick into the victory roll is such a cool idea, and the fact that I've never seen it done before is wild to me. That's such a that's such a great tag finish. Anyway, what's very cool too is uh, so post match Eddie absolutely loses it. He keeps calling both of those guys morons, which is great. Constantly says that Kidman is a pretty boy, and then challenges Kidman uh, for a cruiserweight match hold on hold on not just the pretty boy he says a pretty boy who's probably gonna go on a date and comb his hair (laughs) (laughs) and like that's the thing he calls him a sissy boy so he's trying to bag him out but then like he admits the fact that he's getting a date it's like you're not 
That's not bagging him out. You're actually complimenting him the fact that he's going out on dates with women. And combing like, his nice hair. Yeah, how dare he have beautiful long hair like you, Eddie. Also, I love here, <laughs> we've mentioned Eddie's accent throughout the history of the show. Because he's in the LWO, he's now starting to put on the like affected the Hispanic, Mexican yeah. accent <laughs> and just throwing Vato in there and, you know, or essay and it's getting there. We're getting to Latino heat. He's eating up. I just loved how many times he called them morons. But uh, what was <laughs> what, what was cool is uh, so Eddie um, challenges Kidman. Kidman comes out of the ramp and oh, which I thought was really cool baits Eddie into accepting the match for him, uh, and they fight right then and there. And Eddie's in street clothes, but it's so good because Eddie starts off with the upper hand because the story is Kidman has just been through a war with two of the greatest cruiserweights in WCW. Eddie. Well, even though he's in street clothes and he hasn't prepared, he's still fresh. And it's such a rough, it's such a well-told um, sort of story, both of these matches combined. And, and I mm. think the commentary team did a good job here of at least putting the logic into it and saying, you know, come on, Kidman, what are you doing? You've already defended the title. Don't be so foolish. So at least they put that bit of logic in there in that why would the good guy just accept the challenge when he's already won a match? They're at least yeah. questioning it, putting it out there. I'm going to point out, I'm just going to rebut that with one thing that Mike Tanay said. He goes, Kidman would want to win this match as quickly as possible. You think? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone wants to win every match as quick as possible. And also, shout out to Bobby Heenan for the line of the night. You mentioned that Eddie was still in his street clothes. Well, I was thinking, hold on. They're basically both in street clothes. (laughs) And Bobby says it looks like two construction workers fighting on a lunch break. (laughs) <laughs> and it was two guys in singlets and jeans. Well, yeah, I, I wrote this looks like two guys in who, who are wrestling for some shindy in front of 20 people. Because <laughs> yeah. you got a guy, you got a guy, you got a guy in fresh John Cena's and a wife beater singlet, and a guy in a black singlet and long what and long blue jeans. And it's like yeah. this is I I've been to this wrestling show before <laughs> and it wasn't at Starcade. <laughs> What I thought was really cool too is Eddie even does a little kiss my ass taunt, which was really, which is straight out of WCW NW Revenge. <laughs> and the more I watch 1998 WCW, is the game is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> it makes the game better. <laughs> so lifelike. So accurate. Uh, uh, but yeah, um, Eddie gives a steel cap boot to the head, and we get a married with children reference, which I thought was oh, really, really good. I pop for that. By Bobby the Brain Heenan. Very, very cool. Uh, Kidman gets a second win with a superplex off the top rope. He then gets an assist from Ray and gifts Kidman the win against Eddie. Both of these matches in itself are just phenomenal. And this was something actually that WCW did pretty well. They mm. did it with Booker T and the TV title a couple of pay-per-views ago. Oh, yeah. But when they sort of when they sort of like link, like they really know how to build um a fighting champion and uh yeah like i think you mentioned it on social media earlier owen but 98 kidman like kidman was untouchable this is why he was the premier cruiserweight back in the day yeah like full disclosure i finished watching this matt this show and then came straight online with you guys so like i'm very fresh but as i said like on twitter like this evening like 98 99 kidman is possibly the most underrated cruiserweight of all time like wrestling like yeah his character wasn't fantastic but like wrestling wise he was one of the best he was super over with the crowd like the crowd were popping for everything he was doing 
Yeah. yeah. And like they like they would like every time he got like the little bit of offense in, like they were like they would rise with him and they'd go with him all the way. And like as soon as he well, even like go, go back as far as as soon as he walked back out to challenge Eddie for the match, the crowd were already up. So nah. Yeah, Billy Kidman, super underrated. Um, it kind of sucked that his like WWF run wasn't like long lived, but injuries suck. Yeah, yeah, they kind of got him on uh, like they really got him. Not, and he still did some great stuff too because he had some great uh, series of matches with like Paul London back in the day. Mm. Uh, he owned Velocity. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> the, the one WWE Kidman match. There's actually there's a couple of good ones. Him and Jamie yeah. Noble at Survivor yeah, yeah. Series 2002. Their feud from in 2002 was fantastic. Yeah, and mm. there's a pay-per-view. I forget which one. It was one of the SmackDown exclusives, like when they first split up. It's Ray and Kidman versus the world's greatest tag team. And it's... Oh, yeah. I, I watched Vengeance? that. I think it's... Ven- yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's... Vengeance awesome. 03? Yeah. That might be the one. Um, Either way, do yourself a favor because like WWE Kidman, unfortunately, like... Uh, and as much as I love to... Like... Um, love to con- considerably like always say that WWF like made people bigger like they did with Booker T and guys like that. If that if Kidman only went to the WWE at a better time mm. rather than at the tail end, I reckon he could have been like the next biggest breakout star. No. He was still only like twenty seven. No, I know. As if he I was know. past his prime at twenty seven. No, but remember, not a good he- thing. But this is the thing, like the the difference is he'd just been buried by Hogan yeah, in two thousand and one. Yeah, he didn't mm. have the nice long break that Ray did, as in away yeah. from the mainstream audience. That yeah. was one of the Booker T weathered the storm. That's different. He was one of the only guys who kind of did going straight to WWE. Ray mm. Mysterio going away and coming back as something special made a difference. Whereas Kidman was kind of yeah. Just yeah, he was he was stuck on around. WWF metal and WWF uh, jacked uh, back in the day. But he like, definitely we... was more jacked in WWE. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure <laughs> why, but he looked good. Good for him. Uh, well, looked... yeah. Great, <laughs> great personal trainer. <laughs> and genetics. Good genetics there, uh, allegedly. Um, <laughs> so we then get to a little video package of Goldberg versus Kevin Nash, and my one note says black and white with clouds. <laughs> it was very heavenly. No yeah. voiceover, no sound bites, just heavenly cloud effect put over um, Kevin Nash and Goldberg. Not sure if they're dead or what's going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what was dead. The crowd oh at, uh, when, when this next match started. Norman Smiley versus Prince Iakea. The first dot point I have is why? Question mark. So now, here, <laughs> here's the thing, right? I get up off my couch at the end of the uh, Kidman and Guerrero match. I go to my fr- I go to my freezer. I get out chicken nuggets. I put them in the fr- in, in in the oven. I turn around and Norman Smiley and Prince IK are in my ring. And five minutes later, I write a note going, "A match with no entrances gets way too much match time." <laughs> That's the only note I wrote. I wish it's, I was eating weird. chicken nuggets during this match. This <laughs> is awful. <laughs> it's an awful match. First off, like, can, can we point out to how Mike Tanay is constantly listing the accomplishments of Norman Smiley, which are great, but Tony Schiavone can only say, what a good dude Norman Smiley is. Everyone likes him. 
And Bobby Heenan was only trying to push the fact that you pronounce it Norman Smiley. And that was it. That was, and actually, one thing to note Prince Ikea no longer has the Rocky Maivia uh, curly undercut hairstyle. Yeah. When yeah. he walked out, I wrote, oh, he's bald now. That's new. And then he turned his head and it was like, oh no, he's bald with a ponytail. <laughs> and then just someone bald and just a ponytail plugged in the back it's it's just bizarre so it's uh, the crowd is dead for this they've just had one of the hottest opening matches and the great little angle to fire up the biggest show in wcw for 1998 and yeah so look it even spills the the action spills to the outside nobody cares (laughs) prince ikea fights back and has a second wind nobody cares the only thing that the crowd pops for is norman smiley's big wiggle when he taunts he that's does it. the he does the big wiggle taunt doesn't have a name yet. They're like, no, oh, and that's that that thing that Norman likes to do. Uh, there you go. So Norman Smiley gets the win, and Tony Schiavone calls it the biggest win in his WCW career. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, unfortunately for uh, Norman Smiley, and he's doing some great stuff in the WWE at the uh, at the Performance Center, but this probably was. <laughs> and remember, he's won the w- WCW Hardcore Championship as well. This is probably the biggest win of his WCW career. But let's let's move on because the next segment is actually something that is pretty cool. Scott Hall enters to no music and he's wearing street clothes, an outsider's t-shirt. He teases a survey time before doing a hey-yo. And Hall basically says that 1998 has him in the best year in his life and mentions how Nash has a shot to be the main man in wrestling. Hall does say that 1999 will be his year, and in hindsight, it very clearly wasn't. But this was, as especially as like a, a huge Razor Ramon fan, watching this was just like this was the unfortunately for fans off Scott Hall back then. We're just like, oh, this is it. This is where he's, he's getting his he's getting his life back on track. Blah 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 blah. But uh, I went going into this with fresh eyes, but also knowing about the tragedy that would become Scott Hall's career. Like, what did you think when you watched this? All my fresh eyes saw was one of the worst directing decisions in pay-per-view history. And Simon knows where I'm going at because as soon as Scott Hall says 1999 is going to be my year, the camera cuts to a sign that says, Hey, Scott Hall, the drinks are on us. Oh, no. <laughs> I <miss> like, that. <laughs> that's all I remember this segment for. Because like this was also the promo the was really touching. This was where they showed the sign that said, shut up and wrestle. I've got that note too. Yeah. So between uh, the shut up and wrestle during a promo and hey, Scott, the drinks are on me. Yeah, terrible directing. Oh, and, like, and look, it was a really nice promo. As you said, like, it was quite t- it was quite touching. And like, you know, if you take away the fact that you know what happens later on, you're like it, it, it fills you with a bit of hope, yeah, like hoping everything. he was going to get everything back on track. And it's just like, but yeah, like I, I couldn't take, I can't take my mind off the fact that that was the sign they showed in the crowd. It's a little bit sad too, because we've always sort of said too, like 96 Scott Hall, fantastic. 97 oh, Scott Hall, fantastic. Best of the year. Just, just 98. And to be fair, it starts off good because he has that fantastic match uh, with Sting for the WCW world title after uh, getting a title shot for winning mm-hmm. World War III. But then, you know, the age old uh, personal demons get involved and uh yeah unfortunately we all know how that scott hall story ends but uh we'll move on to a quick little recap of bam bam bigelow causing absolute mayhem 
at uh, WCW Nitro. Now, this is one of the better recap packages that WCW have done. And I completely forgot how much of a threat that they painted Bam Bam Bigelow back in the day. So like we talked about it before, like we, unfortunately the WCW memories we have are of him and Canyon and DDP as part of the New Jersey triad. But man, did he, I didn't even, I completely forgot about his little run-ins with Goldberg and stuff. This feels backwards. Honestly, the, the video package they showed was yeah, for WCW standard, pretty good. But what they showed from Nitro looked really cool. Bam Bam beats up Scott Hawley, beats up Kevin Nash. And they say, all right, you're going to have a triple threat tonight. Goldberg, Nash, and Bam Bam was on Nitro. Why? I think we mentioned it at um, World War Three because of how hot the crowd was. Why wasn't this just the main event, triple threat? Yeah, They could have said, okay, Nash, you won World War Three, but Bam Bam, you keep wrecking everything. And Goldberg as the champ can say, you know what? I want to settle this all at once. Nash, you get your title shot. Bam, bam, you're going to get your ass kicked. Three-way dance for the first time ever in Starcade history. That would yeah. have made more sense instead of having the triple threat before the singles match. What do I also, know? I'm not and, and, a booker. You'd also have uh, Bam Bam Bigelow join that, I think, very limited club of people that have main evented a WrestleMania and a Starcade if that did happen, <laughs> which would have wow, been pretty cool. that's weird. Um, so we get to our next match, which is the cat versus Perry Satin. Uh, the cat cuts a promo and, um, and then Satin comes out looking interesting to say the least, uh, how the mighty have fallen. I could tell you right now. And didn't we say, was it last paper where they mentioned that this was somehow Satin's tribute to the troops, his attire <laughs> that he came out in? No, that was a few months ago when he came out was it? wearing the commando hat. And oh. we, <laughs> I think everyone, the commentators and us were all thinking, oh, I think, interesting choice. I think, I think, Nim, I think Nims is thinking of the troops from the village people. <laughs> <laughs> so no, Saturn here is wearing a backwards bandana, kind of in the style of Tupac Shakur, like with mm. the, the knot at the front. Look, it's a step above the commando outfit, but but barely. Oh, yeah. Look, so this is just how the mighty have fallen is what I can say. Like, the cat has some faffing around before he steps into the ring. Yeah, like, I've written this down again. Stopping and taunting during a match was very big in this era. Another accurate portrayal in WCW NWO <laughs> Revenge. But man, I don't. What do you? What do, what can you say about this match? Like seriously, what can you say? Like oh, and I'm sorry we had to subject you to this, but <laughs> you would have, you would have thought after watching that absolute banger of a cruiserweight opener, they're like, hey, you know what? Maybe people are judging this paper a bit too harsh. I was gonna say I listened to the new like to the latest episode yesterday of you guys doing the um the Capital Carnage and Simon going. The last two Starcades haven't been bad, and I'm going to assume that's going to be a hat trick. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going into this with a positive mindset tackler. <laughs> and then they serve up two of the greatest Cruiserweight matches I've seen of my, of my lifetime. I'm like, hey, look, we're on here. Like, we're on for something real special. And it was special in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I wrote four notes for this match. What is Perry Satin wearing? <laughs> yep. This is a whole lot of silly. Satin had such a strong start to the year, and yep, that happened. Mm. That's all I wrote. Yeah, so what, what do you even say to this one, Simon? Like, seriously. 
Look, I, I will say they were trying to do something interesting with Ernest Miller being the three-time karate world champion and Perry Saturn being kind of like a an amateur wrestler type shooter. They didn't, there was one part of the match where I almost got into it where Perry Saturn just kept taking Ernest Miller down. And it was like, well, if he's on the ground, he can't strike, which, you know, in modern terms, we know that's true. A wrestler getting a striker down, the striker can't do anything. We see it in the UFC all the time. But this is 1998, and this is WCW, and this is boring as shit. Um, The only thing that got a reaction, and I was shocked at how loud it was, but it just shows that the crowd would have wanted to be into this. When Perry Saturn hits the Death Valley driver, the crowd goes absolutely mental. Because yeah. they want to see Saturn do cool shit. And yeah, I don't know. He honestly could have been like the sleeper wrestler of the year if things kept going good a few months ago, but it just absolutely fell off. Yeah, it really did. Sonny Ono, basically for the finish, he got involved, uh, accidentally kicks the cat. The cat, which I thought was amusing, then cracks it and kicks Ono, <laughs> and then walks into the Death Valley driver to a massive pop. Gets the pin, and that's about it. Um, next up, it's a Ric Flair interview uh, with Mean Gene Oakland. One thing that I did love about this Ric Flair interview is that uh, he gets a huge thunderous ovation, but he also emphasizes every single syllable in his promo. Yep. And he was off his chops. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, he certainly was. What, he, what like now? This this was pretty big back in the day because he's still in his legal battle with uh, WCW, isn't he, Simon? It's an interesting time. I think he had just kind of come out of it, and that was the agreement to return. And this match with Bischoff, I will say though, Ric Flair is super over here. He's super over the top. He says that they're going to graphically tear Eric Bischoff apart. It look at least it was interesting. At look, yeah. let's not you know look a gift horse in the mouth or whatever the uh the appropriate analogy is here rick flair mm. is getting the crowd to cheer it's better than norman smiley and ernest miller and prince iakea yeah yeah very much so uh just quickly too there's a video package that follows which documents the rise of eric bischoff uh and his feud with rick flair all i could say is like from looking at that like oh when you see it condensed to a package like that did anyone have more fun in wrestling in 1998 than Eric Bischoff? I wrote that this was a great video. This is an this is an awesome video package. I enjoyed it immensely. And yeah, like Eric Bischoff obviously had the time of his life, but the production was cool. How it went from like that cinematic camera to like back to the TV stuff, and yeah, it was great. I I loved this promo. It was so cool. Yeah, Eric Bischoff, if we take his WCW run, especially like let's say we kind of end it here and don't worry about the stuff with Russo and whatever, the stuff with the main eventers in the NWO and Roddy Piper and Ric Flair, and then his run as GM of Raw in WWE, getting to feud with Steve Austin, getting to feud with Stephanie McMahon, and you know, do all this weird stuff. He, I think he's the only man to on camera kiss Stephanie McMahon and Linda McMahon, which is yeah. so weird. And and we see it here in this video. He also kissed Ric Flair's wife. Like, yeah. Oh, and didn't he also steal Kimberly Page at one point? Remember yeah. when he's feeding? And Elizabeth, he also hung out with Liz for a while. Eric Bischoff has the weirdest, like, on-screen career with 
uh, valets and different women and stuff. But like I said, what a no fun one. Ride. Has and had... then he got thrown into a bin by Vince McMahon or John Cena or whatever. Like it's just crazy, and it's, yeah, it well, all looks fun. While Vince is dressed as a judge as well, <laughs> which is yeah. which is crazy. But yeah, it's a very very cool video package. Um, we'll quickly touch on the next little segment, which is. Uh, Buff Bagwell and Big Popper Pump, they confront Conan uh, in his dressing room. Did you find it funny that Conan is basically like lying on the couch twirling his hat? <laughs> <laughs> He's like Sonic the Hedgehog in an idol animation. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it feels like a non-playable character just animation <laughs> in a video game where you've got to go and talk to him for a side quest. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Conan. What shall I do today? You know, and <laughs> can I just say though, like Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell confront Conan, and then Lex Luger breaks up the fight in a Fubu shirt. Fubu. Lex, Lex Luger <laughs> oh, in the literally Fubu one of my notes. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> yeah, Fubu is getting some great representation <laughs> from the Wolfpack back in '98, and the matching hat too. Oh. Wow, it was looked so, good. It was so good. Yeah, it is funny too, because just going on to, off your analogy again, Simon, Lex Luger looked like the next part of the cutscene when he came <laughs> in, because he even was as wooden and stiff as a non-playable character. <laughs> i got to oh, say, man. Lex Luger in 1998 wearing FUBU, though, he feels like the type of guy who's wearing it because he saw Kevin Nash wear it. But if yep. you walked up to Lex Luger and you were like, oh, man, you know, do you listen to hip hop or do you know Master P or uh, Puff Daddy? He'd be like, what? Yeah. No. He'd be like, yeah, sure. I am your master. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 100%. I am your Puff Daddy. <laughs> yeah. Like 100% he's never listened to any hip hop ever. Just before we get on to the next match, because what I'm going to talk about is going to be infinitely more uh, more interesting than the next match. But Simon, did you ever fall into the trap back in 98 of having a FUBU top or one of those hoodies that said juice on it? Do you remember those? No, I don't remember the juice hoodies. Okay. What's a, <laughs> oh, wow. What's a juice hoodie? I will say I 100% had some yeah. FUBU shirts. I'm pretty sure like one of them was legit. And probably mm. another one was from the guy at Vic Market that everyone yep. bought the knockoffs from. Yeah, you know, he, I, I... he had Echo, Fubu, uh, you know, the Carl Kanai and all that, all that stuff. I believe I actually, I, I still have it somewhere. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's actually at my parents' house. But remember those bright yellow Fubu jackets that were all the rage back in the day? Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was that real LEG spec there, but uh... <laughs> I um I had a like a, a metallic silver Dada shirt. I was a Dada. Oh, yeah, yes. I was a Dada guy. Do you nice. remember too? Like the the urban legend with Fubu was uh, wasn't it like F F U by us or something like that? Like that's what it stood for. Something like that. But I think it it does stand for for us by us. Yeah, possibly. It's all, it's possibly. who would know? Well, it's one of those things, you know, you didn't have Google back then. You just, if, yeah, you, yeah. if your mate, if your mate Caleb Solicopolis said to you, hey, you know, that stands for like F you by us. You're like, yeah, I guess that's right. Why would yeah, you yeah. like? And the number five is because the founder of the company killed five men in jail or something. Yeah. Ooh. None of this is true. None of this yeah. is real. None of this is true. None of this is true. <laughs> I like Kappa pants are also big back in the day at this point in time too. Absolutely. Like, the, Kappa is the crossover from like 
guys who play soccer to guys who like hip hop, like Kappa is, yeah. you know, goes between both. Now, when we get to our next match, you'll realize why we spent so much time talking about uh, like industry clothing and 26 Red and all that BS. Because it's Brian Adams and Scott Norton taking on Finn oh. Finley and Cherry Flynn. And I said here, uh, the, there is actually something that does off note because we're told that the main event will be a no DQ stipulation to Goldberg versus Kevin Nash. But um, my next note after that is it's Brian Adams once again stinking up the joint. Simon's favorite wrestler. Oh my god. Brian Adams by this point I had to google it. He debuted in the WWE in 1990 as a member of Dem- Demolition. Mm. Why why do we get 10 years of Brian of Adams? Crush. Why? Of crush. We get we get 10 years of this guy on mainstream big time wrestling. Can you think of anyone who's had a 10 year run who's just been so just middle of the road? And middle of the and- road is a compliment. And so much, yeah, going, going from Demolition Crush to Kona Crush to Nation Crush to just DOA Crush. <laughs> yeah. Then Brian Adams, then NWO Brian Adams. <laughs> then Chronic Brian Adams. Chronic Brian Adams. And Drug Smuggling Brian Adams. And the, was he the Kiss Demon as well? No, no. No, that was Dale Torberg. Ah. <laughs> Who, by all intents and purposes, is actually a very nice dude. If you mentioned, if you see him at a comic con or something like that, like he's a, he's a good dude. But I'm sure I mean? like, Brian Adams yeah. was a good dude too. Obviously, oh. he was friends with somebody. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> but oh man, look, and and the thing is too, like Scott Norton can at least rest on being like an absolute hoss in Japan and like a big draw there. I think Brian they Adams mentioned he's nothing. the IWGP champion at this point. Is he? Uh, I maybe. swear, I swear, they said something about that. Oh, there's a sh- there's a good shout. He was wouldn't surprise me because Scott Norton was like, yep, like Scott Norton in- yeah. from yeah. September 23, nineteen ninety eight to January four, nineteen ninety nine. Wait, who, who did he win it off? He beat Chono. Oh no, and it he- was vacant because Chono. Uh, it was injured. neck injury. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then uh, Muda. He dropped it to Muda, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you got the IWGP champion wrestling in this match. Wow. Oh, and he dropped it on January 4th as well. Yeah, the January 4th That's not bad. Show. There you go. Did they have a Wrestle Kingdom back then? No, was Wrestle it- Kingdom was um the mid-thousands. That would, it was just... Because January 4th is a bank holiday in Japan. Right. So, like... Um, uh, all Japan used to run on January four, um, and then New Japan took it over it was, yeah. um, after they stopped running the, the date. But it goes back to like the early nineties. Yeah, because it's always January four. Uh, like yeah. I said, look, okay. So first off, we, we've established that nineteen ninety eight clothing, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, circa nineteen ninety seven to nineteen ninety nine. Um, what else can we discuss that is not this match? Ooh, because ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> Um, Simon will pop for this one. Um, Fit Finley's uh entrance music is just a giant Joe Satriani ripoff. <laughs> okay, there you go. Changed, yeah, I thought it was Iron it, Maiden it, last time. It no, it was very Joe Satch. Right. It was yeah. more. It was more like body. It was more like boogie boarding with the alien and not surfing with the alien. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Boogie boarding with the extraterrestrial. <laughs> The Jimmy Hart knockoff. Can I just say, <laughs> Jerry Flynn, for anyone who doesn't know, was the big karate guy teaming with Fit Finley. 
Jerry mm-hmm. Flynn was like the absolute bottom of the barrel jobber in WCW in this era. Like, if I yeah. ever saw him on TV at this time, fast forward. Like, if but I had he... hate Nitro, fast forward that. But he wrestled in New Japan. I'm fairly certain he was a New Japan. I think he was an IWGP tag team champion at one stage. Wow. The dark who, who did he win Japanese it? wrestling. Yeah, I was about to say, did he win it off vacant as well? <laughs> <laughs> were they just really, really struggling, and they just needed to put belts on any Gaijin competitor that they could find? Oh no, my apologies. It was just during the WCW New Japan um, uh, oh, crossover shows, and yeah. him and Fit Finley uh, competed in the in the soup in the uh, World Tag League. Can Guys, I just point we, out we don't have to mention this. Mike Tanay mentioned it in the match. He said, all of these men have experienced wrestling in the Orient. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love how re- in wrestling they still use that term. Doesn't feel and, right. Also, just a big pop for this, by the way. The tournament, the the super, the um World Tag League that year um, was won by Keiji Mudo and Satoshi Kojima, who were both still wrestling to this day. There you mm. go. What a team. And yeah. Fit Finley definitely isn't. And pretty sure Jerry Flynn... Is might be dead. No, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Quite Adams dead. is. We know that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, he was. I'll tell you what else was dead. This crowd. It was. Um, so My Scott willingness Norton- to watch this match. Yeah. So Scott Norton power bombs Jerry Flynn to get the win. Uh, my last note that I've written is Brian Adams' gear looks like it was made out of creator wrestler parts in <laughs> WWF. Just bring it on PS3. That's about it, really. Also, actually, relating to that gear, my um. My note is why is Brian Adams wearing Sting's gear? Also, where is Sting? <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That's what yeah. happened. He to stole Sting. his gear. He stole his gear. Yeah, you know, the the best part of this match was a line from Bobby Heenan where he said that backstage he tried saying happy holidays to Scott Norton. Tony said, "Did you get a response?" And Bobby says, "Yeah, I did, but I'm not sure I can physically do that to myself." they all kind of go silent for a bit it was great that's very good that's very good um next up i was gonna say speaking of word mumbo jumbo right after that part it's a show to show you how much of an absolute shit show this pay-per-view was you can hear tony shivani go all right where are we going now yeah Yeah. i had no idea what the next segment was Tony Schiavone at this sort of era of paper, like there was a bit where he, uh, in the last paper that we watched in World War Three, where he goes, 30 men, uh, like like 60 men, three rings, one winner, Dave Penzer. Speak. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's anyway, another bit in yeah. this same segment too, just to see that Tony is like getting angry at someone. They turn on Penzer's mic, the ring announcer, and he's about to say something. And then it cuts off and they play music again. And Tony goes, whose voice was that? Was that Penza? And it's like <laughs> just clearly passive aggressive, you know. Oh, my. Falling it apart. is just, this is just, yeah, it is really, really like this pay-per-view is going off the rails for the biggest pay-per-view. Like even WrestleMania 13 isn't this bad. Oh, actually. <laughs> you know, it's got two good matches were about even at this point yeah yeah, yeah it's <laughs> neck and neck on the race to the bottom um eric bischoff has an interview with me and gene up next uh and 
Eric Bischoff really is the best smarmy heel in the business here. He compares himself to Ric Flair, but basically just says that he's more financially responsible than him. And I actually didn't mind this. I, I at least this sort of shaved, uh, not shaved, but like crew cut Eric Bischoff is underrated because he looks even more punchable now. I think he looks cool with the short hair. Um, <laughs> I think so. Better than like the, the I... newsreaders, you know. Yeah, I like the game hair. show host, yeah, uh, yeah. Eric Bischoff. Yeah. <laughs> I like him rough around the edges. But <laughs> typical Bischoff promo, like you said, great smarmy heel. And he's talking about, you know, Ric Flair having a weak heart uh, and everything else because he did have a heart attack on Nitro. That's what this feud is about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just Bischoff being Bischoff. Um, next up, we have got a recap of Chris Jericho and Nitro, which leads us to our next match. It is Chris Jericho and Ralphus versus Conan. Now, Conan is the television title, uh, is the TV champion at the time, uh, but Jericho has the belt. Got to say that Jericho is getting a great reaction from the crowd during the promo at the start. And also, how many people had their belt stolen in WCW during this era? Classic feud in wcw someone stole my belt they go to it a lot yeah it's a hell of a trope there but um yeah conan uh conan what did i what did i read conan returns serve on the mic and gives him uh <laughs> the rla and all that sort of stuff and i i gotta say like every like this entire little starting segment really actually got me fired up for this match i don't know about you but like oh you've obviously heard what we think of Conan, a.k.a. George Costanza, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in this era of WCW. So when you actually see, like, these two guys, like, and Conan, incredibly over, Chris Jericho, very popular with the crowd, you must be thinking, okay, this is the part where we write the ship, right? A little bit, but then, once again, I feel like I've taken Simon's gimmick and I was just on, on, this, on, the, on the lookout for good signs. <laughs> yeah. And I found one. That red. Uh, Conan, where's your sword? But Conan spelled K-O-N-A-N as in Conan <laughs> oh, the Barbarian. And I laughed. When I say I laughed, I laughed. I'm like, <laughs> it's funny. And it was probably better than most of this match. It's great because with Conan, you can do the play on his name, either Conan the Barbarian or Conan O'Brien. So mm-hmm. hopefully as the years progress in WCW, we see his head plastered on Conan or on Conan, either way. <laughs> with a red, with, with a red like bouffant haircut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can I just say, Conan, we say it every time, my God, his entrance gets the biggest pop and I still don't understand it. Just these yep. people in Washington, D.C. being bowdy-bowdy and rowdy-rowdy. Right. <laughs> And the, uh, you know what? Shout out to the production. I, I don't think it was on purpose. I think I would never give them credit. I think it was just happenstance. But right as he says, are you bowdy bowdy? And as he turns around and holds the mic to the crowd, the music cut off and you only heard the crowd. It was very cool, but I don't think it was on purpose. I am so sorry for breaking, but I looked down after we finished talking about Conan O'Brien. I look down on my floor and I find my Conan O'Brien pop vinyl dressed as a luchador wrestler. Oh, amazing. (laughs) (laughs) What are the chances? We need Conan versus Conan. (laughs) I'm sure sure Conan O'Brien is a better worker. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So look, there's a ref bump here. It's it's a back and forth sort of match, but the crowds the crowd gets into it a bit. They do their best to jumpstart the crowd. So I won't be too because purely by the charisma of uh, Jericho and Conan. Conan is a fantastic like heat magnet here. Like he just gets the crowd going. He's a horrible wrestler though. I don't know how he's such a legendary man <laughs> in Mexico, but like. Jeez Louise, this this is a step up from Dungeon of Doom, Conan. <laughs> I don't understand it. I'll never understand Conan as a wrestler. He's so talented in many ways, but something about his matches just don't click when you watch him back. Uh, there's a belt shot from Jericho in this, and the yep. referee, they don't bother kicking the belt out of the ring. The belt is just in the ring. For like the He's, last two minutes, right in front of the referee. Yeah. It's literally like Conan could put his hand out like that and touch the belt physically. Yeah. That's how close it is to him. But yeah. And the referee uh, has to just pretend like nothing's there. Yeah. Uh, a Tequila Sunrise finishes off Chris Jericho. He gets the win in a match that happens. <laughs> Look, hey, Jericho, you know what? On, yeah. on the Conan scale, this is a five star classic. So, credit oh, yeah. Stu. This is this is the equivalent of like Okada and Omega by uh, Conan's standards. Um, next up, it is the WCW.com spot. Uh, Tony the Tiger is really pushing the buttons of the Giant, and I gotta say, like one positive I will give here, the Giant buys in. Like he actually makes use of this promo. It's not one of those useless like, oh, you know, yep, yeah, and I think that we're gonna do like because all of these promos have just been them mumbling. At least they try to do something with it. Yeah, credit to the Giant there, and we'll get to the Giant later as well. Uh, next up, it is Eric Bischoff taking on Ric Flair, and it was during this point that I realized that Eric Bischoff's theme on the network is the same one that's used on 83 Weeks. Oh, I, is it? That's hilarious. Because I was because I was thinking, I'm like, why have I heard this theme before? I don't remember. Like, It's not that iconic. And then I'm like, oh my god, it's the 83 Weeks theme. Um. That's yeah, Ric Flair comes out next, and all I can say is Ric Flair absolutely dominates Bischoff in this match. Uh, there's a bit where Bischoff hurts his knee, Flair works on it, but uh, yeah, he is just being taken to the woodshed, as JR would say. And oh, and we surprised because in this era of uh, of uh, like even WWF, you'd have a very much like you know the hot baby face just beat the absolute crap out of like the authority figure and the crowd would just go nuts. It was the most garbage match, but the crowd would eat into it so much. Um, I think it's, I think because Bishop has a little bit of like, you know, a combat background, like yeah. supposedly that works really, really well. Um, and because he was so invested in like, you know, because he got like the family involved, it was, it was very heat driven storyline. Yeah. So they could get away with a lot. Um, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a pretty cool match. Actually, um, it was definitely one of Flair's best robes. That was one of my that was my first yes, note. the was silver one, beautiful robe. Um, and in classic Rick, in, in classic Rick Flair fashion, I look at my phone for five seconds. And I look back up when he's gigged himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what what allegedly made him bleed? I must have, I have looked no away. No, I, I literally looked away for five bleeding. seconds. Yeah. And then I look up and he's like, you know, he's geeked. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's happened. Um, Kurt Henning looked immaculate as always in that blue suit. Yeah, he does the running. He uh, he comes out and uh, 
basically costs the match. What happens? He gives him like it's like a knuckle duster, but it just looked like he was wearing I don't know. Like, it's the weirdest like a sausage duster. around his fingers. Yeah. Or yeah. if you believe what or what Tony Shavani exclaims, it's an illegal object. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this was the old trick they would do. So they would essentially just get anything and put tape over it. And then be mm. like, oh, that's an object that must be, you know, like solid steel. It's probably a roll of toilet paper just yeah. wrapped oh. in, you know, athletic tape. Can I just say here, this ending cracked me up so much. The fact that, you know, the crowd's going nuts. Ric Flair is bleeding, but he get, regains control. There's a ref bump. Ric Flair hits the shattered dreams on Bischoff. He kicks him in mm-hmm. the nuts and the crowd goes crazy he locks in the figure four and you're like oh my god rick flair who was fired in real life he came back reformed the horseman he's got the match with bischoff it's at starcade and then kurt hennig who screwed flair before like owen said hands bischoff an illegal object he lightly punches rick flair in the forehead area at best mm-hmm. and pins him and just yeah. wins just that is it Beats Ric Flair. Yep. Wow. Terrible. A fluff finish. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were going somewhere. I actually was enjoying this match. I thought, oh, this is cool. And they WCW'd it. <laughs> yeah, they really did. But um, look, we get on to our next match. Well, it's a, it starts a. <laughs> It, well, it, what, what, like, what do you say to that? They always <laughs> did that. They did this. Like, I can't even think whether or not um, Ric Flair gets his redemption moment a la Scott Steiner and Rick Steiner. But what does it matter if it doesn't happen on Starcade? You know what I mean? It's like last yeah, year at, at, at 97. Yeah, Sting wins. But we see, saw him lose to Hulk Hogan two minutes before, like with the overturn finish. They yeah. really didn't know how to stick the landing at these <laughs> granddaddy of the malls. Also, shout out to uh, Eric Bischoff if we're talking 90s fashion. The Adidas snap-off tracksuit pants. Yes. Yep. He did fantastic there. He looked like he was ready to go into the full court press uh, very quickly. <laughs> um, next up, it is uh, a recap of the Giant versus DDP. Bret Hart getting the US title with an assist from the Giant on Nitro. And all I could say is Big Show should never, ever wear a wife beater and try to cosplay as Kidman because it does not look good for him, uh, especially with those bright lights of the WCW Nitro stage. But um, we get to the match, DDP versus the Giant. There's a lot of spitting by by Paul White in this era, isn't there? Well, he's been smoking all those cigarettes, so he's a bit, you know, <laughs> congested. Just got to get the phlegm out. Can I just say that opening package, though, that was basically a recap for DDP and Brett, but Brett's injured, so Giant gets involved. The funniest thing about it, we're talking about the production. At the end of the video, the card comes up that says, Starcade live on pay-per-view, December 27. Your pay-per-view <laughs> provider now. They just ran the pay-per-view ad and didn't edit out that part of it while it's on the show. How can I order the pay-per-view that I'm watching? <laughs> Especially when you wouldn't have seen the ad yeah. unless you ordered the pay-per-view. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, and another thing that ruined perspective for me is the fact that when DDP makes his entrance, you know, he does a lap of the arena. I sh- I kid you not, I was shoot sad when he runs across, he goes from the commentary position, 
runs across to the other side of the arena and he runs across to the internet position. I thought that was shoot backstage. I didn't know the internet position was just on the floor of the arena. Mm. Mm. I was like, well, there you go. Ruined everything for me. (laughs) Now, Speaking of stuff that's in the arena, so this match, uh, you know, it spills to the outside very early, and DDP gets tossed out off the um into the crowd over the barricade and Ooh. right near a conveniently placed bin, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's it's the most telegraphed little spot because then he uses the bin on the giant and the giant punches it with his brute force. But um, look. I think we've all been in, in the front row of crowds and there is no way that that pin was there without this spot plan. Hey, you're talking about the WCW video games. Where do you get the bin from in the games? You walk well, up to the crowd and you get it. Very That's authentic. That go. is true. Once again, WCW <laughs> NWO Revenge 3, near Realistic. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just say, honestly, I thought this was close to one of the best matches on the night. I know it's a very low bar. I really thought this was good. Both men worked hard, good chemistry, and a lot Great of story. interesting reversals. And yeah, good story. The big man, little man trying to come up with counters. There's one move specifically that the crowd went nuts for in the middle of the match. We'll get to the ending too. But Giant does a double-handed chokeslam into oh, a backbreaker. And it man. looked amazing. The choke. The choke breaker made me scream. Yeah, was I was good. like, "No, I'm good." <laughs> um, but I, I have one major issue with this match, mm. and it was the ref, the refing, in one spot. Giant was where it was during the main. It was during the main heat of the match, and Giant has DDP pinned, and the ref counts one, and then Giant pulls him up straight away, so his shoulders are off the mat. And then Giant goes, count again, pins him, and the ref starts counting at two. You idiot. No. <laughs> Did he? I didn't know yes. that. Yeah. He goes, one. He pulls him up. He goes, count again. And he pins him again. He goes, two. And then Giant pulls him up again. <laughs> Lucky Giant pulled him up. Imagine you said, well, it's three. <laughs> yeah. Over. Uh, it popped me so bad. But yes, um, I... I very much want to get to the uh, to the run-in stage. Yeah, so let's get straight to that part too. Um, yeah, like I said, giant toys with the three count. It's very much a, I'm bigger than you, DDP, and I'm going to play around here because I'm a big, powerful giant. Bret Hart then comes out with a chair and aims for DDP, but takes out the giant instead in a vicious 1997-98 style Ken Shamrock to the rock oh, uh, chair shot, um, yep. which is fantastic. Um, DDP... <laughs> Uh, then takes out the giant. Uh, sorry, DDP, DDP goes off the top rope, but gets caught by the giant. Giant then uh, gets low blowed, but then tries to launch him off the top rope for a huge choke slam. And DDP does a diamond cutter that he's just it. He reverses it so well. And Owen, oh, sick. it is this not like this is why DDP is like rose rose from like you know a crappy manager wearing almost every little bit of jewelry and cigar under the sun to like one of the biggest dudes in WCW. This is the second best um, reversal, the diamond cutter reversal of all time. The best one, my favorite one is still the one that he did on Eddie Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just me. Um, when he did like that pop-up diamond cutter, which was off the charts. Mm. Um, 
when he went from like the when Eddie tried to go for the Hurricane Runner and he did the pop up and but no, um, what I wanted to mention was yes, DDP is by far one of the best wrestlers of the late nineties, and I'll probably die on that hill. Mm-hmm. Is between him and Booker T. Um, but my main question of the entire pay per view: Why does Bret Hart look like he's going to go for a skateboard at the State Library steps? <laughs> Mm. I was going to say he looks like he's going to see whatever like hardcore or metalcore band. He was going. He was going. He he was going. He was going to a mad ball show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the long yeah. sleeve tee with the ch- denim cut off shorts. I got and to the say Chuck that. Taylors. And, Why, and that, that's that's me in autumn. I wear that in autumn. I was going to say, Brett. Honestly. The merch is cool. The t-shirt he's oh, got the is t-shirt. awesome. I want it. That long sleeve hitman shirt. Like Bret Hart mm. is a good looking, stylish man. We can give him <laughs> that. Sure, his wrestling in WCW sucked, but he looked cool. Yeah, very much looked the looked the part there. But um, yeah, and oh, yeah, <laughs> and then when DDP low like low blowed him, he just melted like a candle out of the ring. Yes. <laughs> he he's- was like. He slid <laughs> forward towards the camera and like sold the nut shot. Honestly, so good. This might have been Brett's best pay per view performance in WCW. It, it was almost like the only thing that would make it more ridiculous is if DDP painted like a tunnel on the side of a wall and a train came out and hit Brett. <laughs> like that. That's how. That's how. <laughs> But um, it was a, oh. but like, look, it's a little bit too too little, too late. But I thought this was a really good match, and I really, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, oh yeah, but- and and then Tony Schiavone go yells out on commentary, "Take your chair and go to Calgary, you lame brain." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, he's such a dweeb. He really is. <laughs> Next up, uh, we then have that weird video package once again of the heavenly Goldberg and Kevin Nash. Oh. Before we get to Michael Buffer doing the ring introductions, Michael Buffer's on full word count. He's does his full oh. spiel here. He was so breathy. He was weird. very breathy and broken up today. We reckon that he's literally like he's being paid by the word, so that's why uh, he's just like he he's being paid by the enunciation at this stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now this all I can say is uh, Kevin Nash comes out first, and for me at least, I don't know if it's the same for you, Simon, but this is peak WCW Kevin Nash from my childhood. Oh yeah, the red and black outfit, uh, not the red outsiders outfit from earlier, but yeah, the black with the red and the kind of blonde hair. Like yeah, and, and Nash cool... written on the front. Yeah. Nash written on the front. Kevin the Nash half, is... the, the half up, half down oh, hair. The cool hair. Yeah, yeah he's cool got guy. the facial hair. Like he's big, sexy for a reason. He mm-hmm. looks great here. Uh, he's killing it. Crowd Very is much white so. hot. Yeah. yeah, you know what? They're into them both. Uh, Kevin Nash gets a massive reaction. Then we go to Goldberg, who gets the long entrance backstage, and the crowd. Oh yeah getting more and more amped, but there's a little kid backstage and Goldberg signs his shirt. Do we think that kid was a plant or he was a real fan? Um, I'm going to say a plant just because. We'll call him Robert. He's that much of a plant. <laughs> I wish Goldberg got mixed up and forgot to like headbutt the door and sign the kid's shirt. I wish he did those things the other way around. <laughs> he, <headbutt>, he signs <laughs> the door and headbutts the kid. He's like, all right, Bill. 
two things to remember headbutt door sign kid and then just scrap <laughs> so so um uh, goldberg as you as you mentioned he takes the scenic route uh, to the ring um but it this is definitely a very big match feel we get some dueling um goldberg sucks and even a Nash sucks chant as well, but uh, this isn't your regular Goldberg match. Like it's not a squash. Nash dominates early. Goldberg powers out of the big boot. Both men use submission moves as well. And there's a there's a spot too where Goldberg knocks Nash just flat on his backside. Like this is actually a very very it's a it's a main event sort of caliber match, and it feels that way too when you say Simon. Yeah, I thought these guys pulled it off. Uh, you wouldn't think this would be one of Goldberg's best pay-per-view matches, but it's good. It's back and forth. They don't do a lot of holds. They just go move, move, move. Honestly, this is almost a blueprint of the Goldberg matches we would see later on as well in WWE with Brock Lesnar yeah. and whoever else, where it's just move, 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 and let's get to it. But this is when he was in his athletic peak, so it's better. I, I liked how there's a, there was a little bit of extra dimension with Goldberg as well. Like I was halfway through the match, and he spit. I was probably maybe like two, like three quarters way through the match. It was like in near the go home stretch, and he spears Nash. But then like he starts to see, he he like got up and was like groggy, and like he sold his shoulder and his ribs mm. as if it was like oh he's actually a big guy, mm. like that actually hurt him more than it hurt the opponent. Yeah, which yeah. I thought well, you know there's never been that dimension in gold. Yeah, so like that's actually really really cool. Um. What else did I like? Oh yeah, Kevin Nash going for the Hell's Gate was really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was that bit where that was a cool sequence because it went through like different um, signature moves. So Nash had Goldberg in the corner, and he was going to do you know like the framing little... him up for the, yeah. the big hit. Goldberg just rushed him and mounted him, and it was looked realistic and was going to punch him. And then yeah, Nash lifted his legs up and did and goes you know, for like Hell's a... Gate cross arm breaker reversal maybe into a, a hell's gate or a triangle it was like what? Yeah. this is weird but good like both no, guys really went for it yeah i think i honestly like like this match didn't save the pay-per-view but it came damn close because yeah. like i was honestly like this is actually really as i said crowd were just like in it from the, the moment mike michael buffer walked out the crowd were in it yeah it was big and match they, feel and they wrote, whenever the match went up, they went up. And then it got to like the last two minutes and that crowd was absolutely bussing. Yeah. Mm. That's what I mean. Like this was like such a, it was a well-hyped pay-per-view back in the day. And because like people were tr trying to find this tape because also of what happened in the next couple of minutes. Now, Disco Inferno wearing Wolfpack gear comes out. My and, man. Uh, and uh, Goldberg fights him off very easily. But then Bam Bam Bigelow comes out and Goldberg takes him out as well. And then this is the bit that is always replayed in infamy. Scott Hall, dressed as security with a taser, comes in so cool. and takes out Goldberg. So cool. Nash does a powerbomb. And finally, the streak is over. 173 and 1. Kevin Nash is the new WCW World Heavyweight <sighs> Champion. Uh, he's like, I think he's the second man to hold, um, no, the third guy to hold the WWF and WCW title at this point in time, being Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, the other and two. And Randy so, Savage. Oh yeah. Sorry. And Randy yeah, Savage, Savage as well. So, so it is a big deal. He's put like, he's mm. really like, this is, 
Nash's crowning moment in WCW, and we'll get into the aftermath a little bit later on. But I remember at the time too, and it could be because it was 1998 and I was still in high school and still in year eight, but this was, it's just like, of course, how else are you going to beat Goldberg? You got to like, you know, like stun him with a stun gun or something. Yeah. So it all made sense. Like this, this is how, like, I know people shit all over the, like the way that Goldberg got his first loss, but at the time, this was the right decision, I reckon. The crowd was starting to turn on Goldberg. The last few months, we've noticed the the crowd signs, you know, Goldberg, um, over it, blah, 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 all these signs yeah. saying that. They're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. Um, the crowd reaction on the night makes you think it was 100% worth it because from yep. the stun gun to the pinfall, crowd is going absolutely crazy because oh, they know geez. like, oh, well, it's over now. He just got stunned and jackknifed. Yeah. And they loved Nash anyway. He was right up there. They could have built to another rematch. We all know where it goes. Like, why yeah. Why would you do any of this? <laughs> I know everyone who was involved has tried to defend it, but the the next step is the finger poke of doom. Literally the, oh, the next night. True. The why next would you night. Do any is, that the, is that the next night? the next night? Yep. I'm pretty sure it's the next night. Let's let's Google that one. But, um, but uh, we'll... we'll... But uh, what I thought was pretty interesting was... No, no, that's January 4, so it's a week. That's January 4. Oh, spoiling Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> so, so, he's, so Kevin Nash is literally champion for seven days. A week days, and a half. A week yeah. and a half. Wow. That's uh, yeah. a... Also... Ending Goldberg's streak, that world title run ends in a week, yeah. <sighs> hmm. Real quick shout out to my boy, Mickey J., the human meatball worked his ass off in the last five minutes of that match. There were so many falsies, and my boy was getting down and counting all those two counts like a king. Yeah, Mickey J, uh, may God rest his soul. <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, just he's unvac- jab, Mickey. <laughs> yeah, he's unvaccinated soul, yeah. <laughs> um, like Mickey J, I always forget that he was like their Earl Hebner. Yeah. Yeah, he was a big time ref. Um, big time ref. He did, Nick did Patrick, good stuff. Nick Patrick, even though Nick Patrick was the WCW dude, like he was really the like he was the El Hebner. Um, Nick Patrick was too gimmicky. You know, yeah. you needed to get him out of the way sometimes because he'll steal the spotlight. Mickey J was like, "I'm just going to do the job properly." Yeah, yeah and because if it wasn't, Nick- even if it wasn't the gimmick, he'd be he'd be rocking some fresh Jays or something in the ring. <laughs> I was going to say or because he earring would- or a goadie because. Or yeah, because yeah, Nick Patrick will be wearing like the latest feeler or Reebok basketball shoes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Too too much. So this this pay per view has literally got like this match has got all the ingredients for like you know it's got Michael Buffer, two legit main eventers, white hot crowd, Mickey J as the referee, like everything is set up for a big match. And I know that everyone craps all over it, but. I'm, this is a hill that I'm going to die on. This was the right move to give Nash the title. And this was the way to like, because because he was stunned by Scott Hall for crying out loud. Like, it's not like someone came in and gave him a belt shot like everyone else. Like mm. he was legitimately electrocuted. The only, well, not legitimately, but you know what I mean? Like the only other way they could have made this, um, I don't know, is if, is if Scott Hall drove out on like a, a low rider or a Hummer as the, as what would happen in 1999 a lot and just took him <laughs> out there. But like, this was a perfect way to give uh, Goldberg his loss because it's blatant cheating. It's something that, you know, like 
Scott Hall should have stood on the entrance ramp with some tranquilizers. Like, you know what I mean? Like he needed something extra to beat Goldberg. Although you mm. say all that, and as a kid, I would have agreed, and I get it because you see the taser, and you're like, oh, well, he tased him. Fair yeah. enough. That would beat Goldberg. Watching it back and knowing that it's no DQ, I'm going to be honest. I swear, I never knew this match was no disqualification. Mm. Why did Scott Hall have to dress up as a security guard and wait just in case that there was a point in this match where he could run out with the other security guards and tase Goldberg behind the referee's back? So basically, so what you're saying is if Bam Bam Bigelow didn't run out... (laughs) Hey, hey, Kev, I've got a plan. If Bam Bam runs out and the yellow security guys run out, I've got a yellow shirt too. Perfect. Yeah. If Bam Bam was like, no, I'll get him tomorrow. None of this happens. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, wait to a nice show, brother. Yeah. Uh, the old butterfly effect. <laughs> the <it>. Bigelow effect. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, look, so if we if we just look at this night in its in a bubble in itself, like this was, I reckon, uh I was gonna say one of the best starcades we've seen, but I'm gonna say it's the best starcade main event we've seen. Ooh, is it better than Piper and Hogan? That was pretty fun. Although, oh, pretty great. what a stupid ending that had too. Can we just say the three years we've watched <laughs> where Piper won, but he didn't really win the world title because they never said it was a world title match. Then a year later, it was Sting and Hogan where Sting lost and then he had to win because of Brett. And now this year, Goldberg's streak ends with a, a taser. How do you just bury your biggest event with screwy mm. endings three years in a row? That's it's all mean. it's all me. It's all my fault because all the shows I watch. <laughs> <laughs> but now let, let's 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 go through this a little bit because, like, so obviously the finger poke of doom, as you um, um informed me, Simon, it happens not the next night on Nitro, but another week after Nitro. So now she's barely a champion for a fortnight here. But if we ignore all that, this is the coronation of Kevin Nash. This is like, you know, it adds another wrinkle to the character of Goldberg. Everything seems to have ended right because regardless of how bad the pay-per-view is, I think you'd be if you were at this pay-per-view, you'd walk home thinking, that was pretty good after that main event. Unless you were a Goldberg fan. I feel like Goldberg fans might have really hated this. Yeah, yeah, probably actually now that you think about it, but just being, I guess, I guess probably because the Wolfpack was so hot back then, like it's easy to sort of say now. But yeah, this is one of those debates that they just go back and forth. Mm. But Owen, you're the one with the freshest eyes when it comes to, uh, you know, this era. What did you think of, of, actually, we'll start off with the match and then the pay per view as a whole. I look, I actually really like the match. Um, Mm. Like, you know, I said white hot from the start, the crowd were in it. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a pretty wrestling match. It wasn't, you know, a mat classic. It was just two big guys just trading trading moves. It mm. was they knew the occasion, they wrestled to the occasion, and I really, really enjoyed that. Um I and yeah, then you know, the shenanigans at the end were a bit of fun. Yeah. Bam and, and bam. Yeah. And to like, be fair, if we look across the road at WWF. There's shenanigans a go-go there as well. It was just the style at the time kind of thing. Yeah, like, you know, Bam Bam coming out was a bit of, you know, it kind of bookended their feud. Disco Inferno existed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, like, 
But it all, you know, it all bookended itself. And, you know, obviously quite poorly a week later, but like that 15 minutes of like pro wrestling was a great 15 minutes of professional wrestling. Mm. I really enjoyed it. The show itself started and finished well. Yeah. Everything yeah. in between was garbage. So basically watch the first two matches and watch the last two matches. Everything in between, skip it. So the More cruiserweight, the cruiserweight title matches, because there's two of yep. them, TDP yep. and Giant and Nash and Goldberg. Goldberg, yeah. Yep. And yeah. also, what's going on with the tag belts? There's been no like, tag belts for so long. Uh, Rick Steiner uh... won them. And, uh, oh, yeah. That's about it. As, as If we're going by the style at the time, he's probably stripped off them on Nitro the <laughs> next day by Eric Bischoff. <laughs> Do you guys want a quick recap of the finger poke of doom? Because I found one. And when you yeah, see yeah. how yeah. it all unfolded, it is Please insane. Do. So Because we fo- won't cover it, so... <laughs> The following night on Nitro, Kevin Nash professes dissatisfaction with Hall's interference and he offers Goldberg a rematch for the following Nitro, which is in Atlanta, which is Goldberg's hometown. It's where he won the world title in that, you know, infamous Nitro match against Nitro, man. Anyway, so Goldberg on that week of the Nitro in Atlanta was arrested halfway through Nitro and accused of aggravated stalking by Miss Elizabeth. Goldberg was then later released, but he couldn't get to the arena in time. So anyway, while that's all happening and they're wondering, oh, where's Goldberg? He's been arrested for stalking uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Hogan shows up for the first time since retiring because he said he was going to run for president and he challenges (laughs) Nash for the world title. And Nash says, okay, I'll accept uh, your challenge. Hogan comes out with Scott Steiner. So then Nash says, well, I've got a surprise for you. And him and Scott Hall have reunited. So Hall is finally with the Wolfpack. The match happens in the main event of Nitro later that night. Nash and Hogan are in the ring. They pretend to circle each other. They're about to push each other. And then Hogan pokes Nash in the chest. He pins him for the three. The crowd throws garbage in the ring. The rest of the NWO, both black and white and black and red, come in the ring and celebrate. Goldberg finally makes it to the arena. Lex Luger jumps him from behind. They beat up Goldberg again mm-hmm. and spray paint, spray paint him. him. And the whole yeah. NWO is celebrating with Hogan as world champion again. And they and the difference this time is. The belt is spray-painted red, uh, NWO. (laughs) And then to make it better for people who don't realize this all happened on the one night. So the finger poke of doom is also the same night that on the other channel, Mick Foley becomes world champion for the first time. So during the finger poke of doom episode is when Tony Schiavone says the uh, infamous line of, oh, don't change the channel because we understand Mick Foley, who wrestled here one time as Cactus Jack, is going to win their world title. That's going to put some butts in the seat. Huh. And the and the best part about that is too, like if you actually, because I think in this day and age of uh, like when we do AEW and WWE ratings comparisons, you can see the quarter hour breakdowns. Literally, after Tony Schiavone says that, Nitro just nosedives <laughs> and raw skyrockets. Everyone's like, really? So I it says remember- here, within minutes, over half a million viewers switched the channel. No way. <laughs> I remember I remember watching that um 
that Monday Night Wars doco series on the network. I'm going back like 20, mm. what, 15? Yep. yep. That really, really good doco yep. they did. And I remember that I remember that episode about it. And yeah. yeah. Like that's that's crazy. Half a million people. Yeah, just those, to, just those to put two in- things happening on one night. It's just funny to think the finger poke of doom and Foley's world title win. That's one night of wrestling. It's wild. And because didn't like because with the finger poke, like, didn't like Nash take like an actual like a proper bump as well. Yeah, he takes like like proper he probably, he, like yeah. proper back bumps it. Yeah. Yeah. Another fun, another fun part about that too is Scott Steiner does a little leap in the air as well when he jumps. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 crazy. Also, while we're talking about the reunited NWO, um, Scott Norton, Stevie Ray, and um, Vincent, basically all the NWO B team aren't allowed to wear red and uh, aren't allowed to wear red. So there's a clear divide between the NWO Wolfpack, which is the elite one, and the B team. That is hilarious. <laughs> It's so strange, but yeah, look, so as you can see, this has got a hell of a butterfly effect. And if we go through it, like, like Simon said, watch the first half of the, the first couple of matches and then tune in from DDP versus um, the giant. And you've got yourself a nice, concise pay for you there. But uh, if we're handing out our MVPs, Simon, we'll start off with you. Who would you go with? Maybe Kidman just carrying mm. the first 40 minutes of the show with two very good matches. I'm going to go with him. Why not? He's not the biggest star, but it's WCW. You can't rank everyone together because there yep. are clear divisions. Kidman's never going to be world champ the way it is now. So Kidman absolutely killed it for where he is on the card. Just a star on this night. Yeah. What about you, Owen? Second. I second that. He took the words out of my mouth, Mr. Tackler. Um, Yeah. 100% Billy Kidman, like, you know, and it's not, like, it wasn't as if, like, the second match was, like, a quick two-minute match. Either. Like, that was another, like, nine-minute match. So, like, he wrestled two absolute bangers for, yeah, as you saw, like, the first half an hour, 40 minutes of the show was centric around Billy Kidman, and he absolutely nailed it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go off the beaten track a little bit and give my MVP because I'm a massive Scott Hallmark, and I'm putting myself back in 1998 NIMS mode. Scott Hall, because... Literally, when I was watching this paper back in the day uh, on VHS, it was just sort of like, yeah, this is it. This is finally where he sort of, he'll reach the mountaintop. He'll be back with Nash. Like, clearly, they've reunited. This is going to be good. Obviously, it wasn't. But <laughs> he, there there is a big Scott Hall thread throughout this entire paper, um, especially that sort of leads to the ramifications of what happens with the finger poke of doom. But, yeah, look, we've got one more. Um, pay-per-view of 1998 to get through, and that is WWF Rock Bottom. Um, they've had a pretty solid run, but uh, look, Owen, it's been a, uh, glad that you can join us for another WCW pay-per-view. Yeah. In fact, I reckon that we ought to get you on for sold out uh, 1999 as well <laughs> when we do that in the new year. <laughs> I mean, and also technically, the next WWF pay-per-view, I mean, all this next year is a big four one. So Exactly. If so- tradition holds up, I'll be back for that one. Oh, yeah, the Royal so that- Rumble 1999. No chance mm. in hell. That's a fun, <laughs> stupid show. That'll be good. <laughs> yeah, I just no, say, actually, hey, no. 1998 is in the books for WCW. We're completely done. Who's the overall MVP for 1998? It's got to be Goldberg. Yeah, it? yeah, I was Goldberg. From you opening yeah. matches with Saturn to main eventing Starcade as well, champ, I guess. Yep. 
But like I said to you, like there is once the WCW NWO banner is slapped on, <laughs> it's just like the Titanic and it's slowly headed towards the iceberg. But um the hey, iceberg look, have... being Vince Russo. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, 99 is gonna be fun. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. but yeah, that's also affectionately referred to by WCW fans as the cat's asshole era of WCW. Because you know it's got the new WCW logo. You know, did you oh. know for 20 years, watch Nitro every week, stared at that logo nonstop. I had no idea that it said WCW. Oh, yeah. Like, w- I had no idea. I thought it was just a dumb image, like a Nike swoosh or the yeah. stripes. I was like, doesn't it just be anything? Yeah, it, it, it was very. I don't know if you like. So that era of um, Nitro Owen had the stage where the W, the two W's would move apart like this. Oh yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So we look forward to that one. But hey, look, before we uh, hit the bricks, we got to wish all of our listeners uh, for jumping on board. Uh, thank you for joining us through 1998 WCW. So got one more pay for you, but uh, it'll probably be after Christmas. So I hope you have a fantastic holiday season. Happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all of that good stuff. And uh, yeah, we will catch you for rock bottom. And then we'll head into 1999 WCW. I'm sure we can't wait. But make sure you catch up on all our previous episodes. Follow us on the socials, GreyWolfENT. We'll catch you next time for Reliving the War. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.